I want us to just start off with that song you did, the, that penultimate song, um, You Are Great, You Do Miracles. Can we, can we just stand and praise God? Do we? I know we may not have the words back there, but um, I want to give all glory to God this morning. This is his work. This is his doing. We're in his house. We are here to hear the word of the Lord this morning. God has something to say to us this morning. He has already moved in this service. We want to follow with that flow this morning because he is moving. He is here this morning. And we're going to be blessed this morning. We're going to be changed this morning. But we're going to give all glory to God. Hallelujah. You are great, you do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. There is no one else. There is no one else like you. For you are great. You are great. You do miracles. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Yes, there is no one else. There is no one else like you. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. so great there is no one else like you there is no one else like you there is no one else like you there is no one else Hallelujah. 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 There is no one, Lord. None like you. None like you. Hallelujah. 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 There is none like you. Hallelujah. 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 You may sit. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Hey, that wasn't a bright morning. Hey, good morning, church. Hey, that's getting better. So can we do this again? Good morning, church. Ah, all right. Um, Good morning. I must confess that I'm coming here this morning. um, I really wondered how to start this message. 
I wasn't certain, and I, I'm still not certain, and I just want to be moving with this spirit this morning, but I do know that God has something for us this morning. It started in our worship, it continued with our exhortation, and even in, the, the, in, in Felicia's leading this morning and the testimonies. God is good, isn't he? He is good, and we sing that he does miracles. There's no one else like him. And I, want, I guess we're, we're all hanging, and probably just slide my message in, is that the miracle that we are and who he created us to be, right? Because God created us in his image. He prepared for us good works that we should walk in them. And um, he, wants us to, he wants us to know who we are. He wants us to know whose we are and the authority and the power we have available and the resources that we have available to us. But, you know, one of our challenges is that we, we really don't know our Christian identity. We really don't know. We, we, we pretend as if we are these poor things, you know, every challenge. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? And if you're like me, you grumble. I grumble. I grumble. I, I really do. And I'm saying, God, I feel like a victim. I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this. And it, it's as if we're not living out of what God has called us to live. We're not living out of um, the resources that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have a direct connection to the Trinity living within us. That we have resources, we have the Word, we have all, everything. The Word says that God has given us everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. And things around us change and the change we, we focus on the change instead of focusing on God. We focus on the difficulties and what we're going to be going through and how difficult and how it's going to be probably painful to the flesh without focusing on God. And that's where I, I, I want to talk to us a, a, a bit this morning. You see, you have Pastor Stephen to, to blame for this message. <laughs> A few weeks ago, he came into our prayer, into prayer, and he had this long list of verses on fear, and he gave us an assignment. Remember, those of us who were there, he gave us an assignment, and our assignment was each of us would take a verse as we go down, and we go around the circle, our little prayer circle. If you've ever been to prayer, you know we, we hang out right here, our little prayer circle, and we go around, and we pray, read the verse, and pray it over those who were there. Just pray what came out of the verse. I think around eight of us were there, and by the time it came around the second time, something began to shift in me. It's all verses unfair, but all of a sudden it's like some layers begin to, began to strip off. And now I'm, I'm saying, but really and truly, I'm beginning to feel militant because I'm beginning to remember who I am in Christ. I'm beginning to remember what Christ has made available to me. I'm beginning to remember that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I'm beginning to remember that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it begins to shift and I am coming up with a militancy. And if you know me, you do know that I have a warrior spirit. I mean, I haven't. I, I, it's been a little bit subdued here, but that's who I know God called me to be. 
So when I, when, I, when I pray, and I pray with authority, and I all of that, but that's who God called me to be. And um, that's how I'm beginning to feel. And I'm saying, what shifted? What shifted? What shifted was that we were applying the word of God. The word of God which has power. We were not just applying it, we were praying it. We were coming into agreement with the word. And that word was dispelling the darkness. And Kristen, you mentioned something about this morning, taking out the trash. But sometimes you don't realize that sometimes the trash per se is not necessarily things we see as sin. But our negative thinking, or wrong thinking, things that we, we close to and cling to that prevent us from seeing life in perspective and seeing the truth of what is ahead of us. Sometimes we need to clear out the trash because the enemy tells us all types of stuff. He tells us we're not good enough. He tells us we can't make it. He tells us he, 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 we compare ourselves with others. He tells us all these things, and guess what? We end up believing him. And so my question to you this morning is, how do you see yourself as a Christian? How really do you, if I were to ask you to describe yourself and how you've made progress in the Christian life, what words would you use? You don't have to tell me, but it would be good for you to note that. You say, I don't know how you're going to answer those questions. But I believe this is an area which the enemy has robbed us terribly. He wants us to feel destitute, condemned, ineffective, weak, and fearful. And he keeps us that way. He, is the, he does, he orchestrates things to keep us that way so that we don't get breakthrough, so that we don't do the things God has called us to do, so that we don't work effectively in the kingdom. And yet you see, our perceptions of ourselves, our status in Christ, and our relationship with the Father determine how we live our lives. We cannot live beyond what we believe. You, you, we just can't. Even if you do it for a little time and you, you do it, you ultimately come back to what your core beliefs are. You know, and that is why it's important that our core beliefs are based on truth. Um, so we are low. The visible, what we can see, touch, hear, and feel to determine our concepts of ourselves. We allow what people say and think about us to determine how we see ourselves. We often berate ourselves with our negative self-talk. Now, if you're like me, I'll tell all the things I can do. I'm too, I, I, well, I'm, I'm not shy, but, it, you know, you switch cultures and things are different. All of a sudden, I become shy. You don't know? <laughs> You know, all of a sudden, you, you do things. You're out of your comfort zone. You tell yourself that you're, we're too afraid. We don't have the skills. We're not good as this person. All these things, we, we sit down. If we sit and listen to how we talk, we, we, we speak to ourselves in our minds, how negative that can be. But we do not fully understand what the Bible has to say about who we are or do not really believe it deep down. And this is so important because we cannot successfully walk out our Christian faith without understanding who our God is 
and having a concept of ourselves based on the truth of God's word. We've been talking about getting out of the boat, but I tell you, a faulty self-image will keep you in that boat, right? Because often that self-image is based on fear and an unrealistic understanding of the resources God has made available to us and who he has recreated us to be. You see, the word says, if any man be in Christ, what is he? A new creation. And so consider the Israelites. You know, we all know the story about Israel leaving Egypt. But do you realize how they responded to every challenge? They grumbled. They were sometimes ready to stone Moses. The first thing that they said after 400 years in slavery, I want to go back to Egypt. Right? I want to go back. I want to go back. to. It was easier then. Everything was provided for me. I didn't have to think about anything. And that was it. They complained about every obstacle they encountered. Here is what I want to pick up from Numbers 13, and I think it's, it's, we have it there, verse 30 to 33. I hope you can read it. Oh, I, well, you can follow me if you can't see that very well, but it's Numbers 13, 30 to 33. I've, I've used a new Revised Standard Version uh, as it. He said, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, so this is them going about to go into the land this is them after the 12 spies have gone out and gone into the land to to um do a reconnaissance mission and come back and give a report as to what is happening right this is what they're saying but caleb quieted the people caleb and joshua were the only two of 12 spies who said yes we can go in and he said let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it then the men who had gone up with him said we are not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we so they brought to the israelites an unfavorable report of the land that they had spied out saying matter of fact i think king james uses an evil report the land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great size. There we saw the Nephilim, and it says the Anakites, that's a footnote, come from the Nephilim. And to ourselves we seem like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. What a tragedy. What is that? That thing struck me some years ago. To ourselves we seem like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. That very important point, their own self-image affected how their opponents viewed them. Their opponents did not view them above what they thought of themselves. It wasn't that they were grasshoppers, but they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Makes a difference. And because of that, they could not go into the land. They refused refused to go into that. They flatly disobeyed God. This is a God who had brought them through several things. Had, and Yahweh, the Almighty, had promised to be with them. For 400 years, they were in slavery in Egypt. And God kept his promise to return and take them out of slavery. 
but yet, and he promised to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, but all of that was forgotten just because of the, their fear and their self-concept. So I made the point before, but I'll reiterate it here. We cannot consistently live out what we do not believe. And point two, a negative self-image will prevent us from fulfilling our destiny and God's promise to us. You see, it's not that God is not faithful. And he works even in our faithlessness. But if we stay stuck right there, and we don't ask for God to help change our thinking, change how we, we, we conceptualize ourselves, we, we, we fall short. Of fulfilling what he has called us to do. But guess what? It didn't stop there. The good news is that for us as Christians, um, there is hope. We do not have to be like that. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, something changes. We quoted it before. We become a new creation. We begin a process of transformation where the image of God that was lost during Adam and Eve's sin is constantly reformed in our lives. So this shifts stuff. I want us to, God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, in his image. God placed a high premium on this creation, this part of creation he called human beings. It's the only place I, I can't think anywhere else in the Bible that refers to anybody else, anything else in creation being called the image of God. Right? We were the only ones assigned that. But we, we you know, um, it got messed up. Can we look at Genesis 1? Genesis 1, 27 and 28. I think you should have that. Yes. And the word says, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So we will, we will have this saying in Jamaica, you were large and in charge, right? <laughs> so man was large, human beings were large and in charge of everything that there was. So Adam and Eve were created to be in fellowship with God, but God did so much more for them. He gave them dominion over his creation. He gave them, as you read in chapter 2 later on or later in chapter 1, a place to live, the Garden of Eden. In that place, God provided food and shelter. He gave them an assignment to work the ground and till it, as well as being fruitful and multiplying and replenishing the earth. God also established his lordship. He met with them daily, but he also told them what they could not do. One prohibition, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So first, the first humans understood, first and foremost, their relationship to their creator. They were accepted by God, 
operated from a place of security and knew their significance. They had significance because they had purpose. They were connected to God. But sin changed that, all that. All of a sudden, sin mars the image of God in human beings. That sin broke fellowship with God. So no longer does God meet daily. As a matter of fact, the first encounter after sin, we find Adam and Eve hiding, naked, trying to cover themselves with leaves. And instead of running to God's presence, wanting to stay away, as far away from God as possible. They now had to engage God on different terms. They were driven out of their place of security, the garden, and so they lost their security. They ceded their dominion to the one they obeyed, the enemy, Satan, and he became prince of the power of this world, power of the air and prince of this world. So man lost his dominion, but the story doesn't end there. Point three, but thanks be to God, in Jesus Christ, God began a massive restoration process to reinstate all that humanity lost with the sin of Adam and Eve. So that when we become Christians, when we establish this relationship with God, God begins to work on us to transform us again into his image. And how do we get that? So um, before I go on, our benefits of salvation. Salvation does not just secure heaven. But salvation has a much broader meaning and much broader impact because that restoration, it restores our relationship with God and with that, it restores our identity. It restores, we now become accepted to God all over again. It gives us security, it gives significance and it gives authority. That's what our salvation does. Right? So God, in his wisdom, sent Jesus Christ, his son, the exact image of the Father. I think if you can go to the just next slide so we can just um, put up, I think it is there, about the image. So Jesus Christ is the image of the Father. He himself said that. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father in John. Then he, Colossians also speaks about the Son being the image of the invisible God. And Hebrews talks about he is therefore, he is a reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. Yes. Yes. But it doesn't stop there. Romans talks about us that want the purpose. Next slide, please. And this is what it says. For those whom God that he there refers to God, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that is the process that we are in when we come into salvation. That whole thing about being, con being conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn with a large family. So in effect, if, if, if we are the image of the son, and if the Son is the image of the Father, yes. then we also become the image of the Father. Yes. You follow that? Yes. Yes. Because that is how, that's where we ended up. That's where we started from. Mm -hmm. 
We were the image of God. That's who he said. God created man in his image. Through the Son, he comes to restore that. Okay? So he then, if, so if we want to know what we ought to look like and how we want to behave, what do we do? We look to the Son. You see, God was smart, you know. The Bible says he had infinite wisdom. He did not, when he wanted to restore Jesus Christ, yes, he came to, to bring salvation and to down the cross. But he came as an example to us. He showed us how to live. So if we want to understand what humanity and restored humanity looks like, what do we do? We look to the Son. Because the Son is the one who lived this life without sinning. The Son is the one who demonstrated what real relationship with God meant. And it was necessary because several thousand years had passed, sin had crept in. We didn't understand who the Father was. And that's why, that is why Jesus said, if you, if you know me, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So we look to the Son. And let me ask you this, because we know the stories of Jesus, most of us. What attributes would you use? And no, this is not a rhetorical question. I'm determined to get a little bit of participation this morning. So what attributes would you use to describe the life of Christ while here on earth? How would you describe him? What words? Compassion, yes. Truth, selflessness, humility. Anything else? Sacrifice. He was wise, yes. Militant, yes, when necessary, yes. Holy, gentle. He was a servant. Harmonious. Confrontation, when he confronted truth, he confronted what was not true. Yes, he did. Righteous. Healer, faithful. So, I had some words to add to that, right? What was that? Compassion. I have some words to add to that. He was bold. He walked in boldness and authority. There's one, one thing that uh, always amazed his, um, the Pharisees. They were always wondered at his authority. You know, where we had the, the, the love and compassion. He was truthful. He spoke truth. He was prayerful. Did you see Jesus do anything without prayer? If you, he, oh, in the morning, it was his practice. Spend time with the Father. Wake up early before the sun came up. Get up, spend time. Sometimes he would pray through the night. He prayed through the night before choosing his disciples. Prayerful. He had an in-depth knowledge and understanding of the word. No, I mean, he just mesmerized at age 12. Do you remember that story at age 12 when he went? His parents left him and they came back and found him um, conversing with 
the learned teachers of the day. And he was asking questions they could not answer. So he was also obedient. There's one thing about Jesus. He said he did nothing he didn't see the Father do. Right? Nothing. What he did came out of his relationship with God and, and um, he, what God instructed him to do. And, and with that, complete dependence on the Father. You know, complete dependence. And even though he, he was um, God in human flesh, he, he did not rely on his deity to get things done. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. He was empowered. He walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you would remember, there's a time he, he walked up into the synagogue I was thinking of starting with this this morning, but um, Isaiah 61, and declared, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. He depended on the spirit of God to get done what he needed to get done. Right? So how did Jesus live that victorious life? How was he able to do that? He was able to do that because he stayed connected with the Father. Right? He was obedient to the Father. As we said, he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. And he walked in full confidence knowing who he was and what God called him to do. He knew he came to die. He knew that. He knew who he was. If you recall the temptations, and I can't go into, when, 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 what was the question that Satan asked him? If you be the son of God. Really and truly, what is Satan doing? If you be the son of God. Why was he doing that? He was questioning him, but probably was trying to, to let him doubt who he was. Because Jesus knew he, who he was, so he did not, he knew who he was. So, if those are words we use to describe Jesus, and we are being transformed into the image of Jesus, those, I put it to you, are, are, should be words that we should be using to describe ourselves. Right? We if we are being made into the image of Christ, that boldness and authority, the love and compassion, the truthfulness, the prayerfulness, that knowing who you were and how to walk and dependence on the Holy Spirit, those are all attributes that because we should have because he's our example. He's our example. That's where we're going. That's the progression we're moving towards. You see, we need to understand what the scriptures say about who it is we are. And I'm not certain I was taking out some scriptures this morning, so you forgive me if, if um, could I just see the next slide, please? All right, before that. So I'll, I'll speak one of these things. I'll just um, share some of these scriptures. You can write them, just write down the notations. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. What does the Bible say about who it is we are? It says we are a chosen race, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that we may proclaim the mighty acts of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Second Peter 1, again, has said this. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That, that thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises so that through them we may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become what? Participants of his divine nature. That's who we are. We come into relationship, but we just don't come into relationship. We become participants of Christ's divine nature. That's a powerful statement. That says that we are we, that says that we are, are not just only being transformed, but it, it it's places a high magnitude because God places, because of what he has done and what he has deposited in us, he places a high value on us. Yes. Not because necessarily of anything good in ourselves, but because of what Christ has done and our acceptance of Christ. Ephesians says, Ephesians 1, and I, I, I had it all from, one to, from, from 3 to 23. And I said, you know, that's a little bit long for church this morning. So I won't read, but I would encourage you to read Ephesians 1. Because in Ephesians 1, you get a cosmic view of who we are as church. It says in 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I need to hear a praise for that because God is good. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, no blessing is left, is left for that. Every means all in in the heavenly places. Yes. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. We have a high call on our lives. Yes. Not just a high call, but where God has elevated us to because of Jesus Christ. We need to understand who it is we are. Because it affects how we relate to the world. It affects the things we do because I'm, I, I, you know, I, I want to tell you that you are God's answer to somebody's problem. You are God, where you have been placed is not lightly placed. He has formed you, shaped you to be his light salt of the earth. He has put you there very strategically and he expects you as as, whole, as, as um, a vessel, a temple of his Holy Spirit yes. to make change because you have the authority, divine authority because Jesus Christ said, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me and therefore when I step into a situation, I step in in God's authority. I can declare and proclaim to the heavens and the earth because I 
I am under the authority of Jesus Christ. I have Jesus Christ living in me. And I can speak to the situation. That's who we are. That is who we are. When Jesus Christ left, what did he tell his disciples? He says, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Therefore, go into all the world. And even before he left, even before when he was sending out his disciples, what he says, he says, behold, I give you power, authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. So we need to know who it is we are in Christ. We need to know the authority he has given us. And we need to move because we affect lives. We change situations by our very presence. And that is not hype. That is not hype. That is the word of God. Right? That is the word of God. And so, you see, unless we, we catch this and it comes into our spirit, we live below our potential. We live below what it is. And it's not that I've caught it. I really haven't. I, I struggle with self-image. I struggle with it. But this is who we are. And sometimes we need to be reminded. And what that prayer meeting did, it just applied the word. That, that prayer meeting did. It started to bring us into unity with each other. We were all praying. We are on the same page. It made some shift in that. I don't know if anybody else felt it. I can only tell you what I felt. It shifted some stuff. Right? But we need to know the word. You see, um, oh, Forgive me. So I decided I was discipled on a book on some material by Neil Anderson. Some of you may know him. He wrote Victory Over the Darkness and The Bondage Breaker. And it's trans he's a Christian, he's a psychologist, he's a Christian counselor and pastor, that at least I know. And he has years. And, and so this material that I'm giving you, at least the first three sections, are from his book. But the, it's, it's just the word of God. And you see, what Jesus Christ came and... The, the, the thing about it is that for us to really get this probably needs a little bit of work on our part. Because it demands that we, we study and meditate the scripture. It's not a matter of just reading the scripture. It's a matter of, of getting it in our core. And to do that, we, we, we have to focus on it a bit. So um, there's some things that, that the Lord, I, I, be, I believe, I'm just going to take from what I learned from that prayer meeting. You see, we need to renew our minds. That is really what we're, where the issue is. We need to renew our minds. Romans 12.2 says ab about that we should not be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. But renewing the minds takes a little bit of work. 
right? It just doesn't come like that. So it comes through being, can we go down to St. John 15, 1 and 4? Staying connected with Christ. Because what does it say? If Christ is a vine, true vine, his father is a vine grower. He says, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit without by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So there's nothing we can accomplish without that, that connection and abiding. But we also need to practice the scriptures and reinforce the truth. And I want to, to just share a little from Deuteronomy 6. Um, and if you can go down to verse 4 for me, please. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Next page. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away. You understand what this was doing? This was getting the word of God in from the world a little bit. Well, well, we're, we may not be, be as small, but we can do this. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. You're supposed to be doing this all the time. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them on, on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. It says everywhere you go, everything you do, you must have the word nearby. You must have the word. You must be able to know the word. That word, you must meditate on it. Take a verse of scripture. Go over it. Don't, don't let it go until it gets into your spirit. That's, what, that's how we change our minds. Mind isn't changed by just a cursory reading or even by preaching on a Sunday morning. Mind this has to get what we call into your gizzard. You know, it must go <laughs> Jamaican, okay, that's a Jamaican, but it must go deep. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the same with Joshua 1.8. When, when God was sending out Joshua, what did he, he warned him? Not just being strong and courageous, but he told him. That this book of the Lord, don't let it depart from your mouth. So what was he to do? Not only was he to study it, he was to speak it. He was to meditate on it day and night so that he may be careful. And then when you meditate on it, you obey it. Watch it. And to act in accordance with all that is in there. For then, he says, you make your way prosperous. Yeah then you make your way prosperous. Then you have success. So that's the word. And we could also go, I won't go in the one in, um, in Philippians 4 that says whatsoever things are good, worthy, true. You know that verse. If there be any virtue, think on those things. But I will tell you, to encourage you to speak the word. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces until it divides the soul from spirit, the joints from the marrow, 
it is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word has power to change our thinking. It has power to the, all the deceptive errors, all the things that we're not seeing, how they're connected. The word of God has power to go in between, sever that connection so that it gives light. The word of God. So, I know we are, we, we are, we are, I think they're out of time, but I, I have some work. You know, um, I like giving handouts just because I think I, I want us to, we may not have the time to, to do all this. If, if there isn't sufficient, then I'm just going to ask that if you can share with families, I will just take and oh, thank you. Because this morning, I want us to get who it is we are. And we're wrapping up. We are wrapping up. If everybody can see, read a copy or whatever, I, I just want to, to point out some stuff that it, it gives you scripture. And this is, I want us in closing, this is, this is what I want. We're almost going to kind of repeat that exercise that Pastor Stephen gave us. But I want us to meet like in groups of three or four, not very many. And I want to decide on an area that you, you really need prayer for. And to find a scripture, you may not have a, it may not be a scripture on this list, but it, I want you to find a scripture. I want you to spend some time, even five minutes, praying for each other and praying that scripture over each other. Right? Because we have to get it. You know, it, it doesn't come. It's a faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear the word. And that word must be spoken, not just read but it must be spoken out loud it says i'm accepted i'm secure i'm significant and it, it gives you scripture why i'm significant because i'm the salt and the light of the earth i'm a branch of the true vine i've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit i'm a personal witness of christ i'm god's temple and we could go on I'm accepted. I'm God's child. I've been bought with a price. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint. All the scripture references are there. I am secure because I'm free from condemnation. But also, and probably this is where I want to hang out a little bit, I'm an overcomer. I am an overcomer, and I walk in God-given authority. I'm an overcomer because the scripture says I overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony and I love not my life unto death. Romans says in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I am bold because the righteous are as bold as a lion. And we can go through. I know the, the time is, is on us. 
But what I would want us to do is to grab one or two persons, and not necessarily husband and wives. I'm sorry if I'm breaking up husband and wives today. That um, grab one or two persons and, and choose an area that you would want to see yourself strengthened in. And just let's spend some time for the next five minutes praying with each other. All right, can we do that? And then we close. Amen. 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 I can pray with you. Where are you going? Okay, go ahead. Yes. Pray with daddy. You want to pray with daddy? You can go pray with daddy. Go, go join them. <laughs>